Well, good morning, everyone. Thanks so much for being here today, and I want to say hi to everybody that's watching online as well. We're glad you're here. Thanks for worshiping God with us today. If you're new, my name is Adam. I'm one of the pastors here at First Free Church, and thanks so much for joining us today to worship God together. Um, As many of you probably know, I had COVID last week, and that's pretty much over with now, except for the the lingering kind of exhaustion that hits you, and I also lost my voice as well. So other than being really, really tired, I feel great, um, feel fantastic, and praise God for that, but uh, you will hear it still in my voice a little bit just because that has not completely come back yet, and yeah, the tiredness just, wow, Um, some of you are nodding your heads out there because yeah, it just, wow, the exhaustion just continues to hit you, so if you don't mind, I might actually sit down somewhat today um, as I talk with you, but I also wanted to talk with you about one of the ministries here at the church that I am so excited about, which is our Connections Ministry, and I would love for more people to get to be a part of this. It is an awesome ministry. Hopefully, as you walked in here today, you were greeted and made to feel like this was a warm and welcoming place. That's what we want. We want to reflect the love of Christ to people as they come onto our property and come through these doors just to feel like this is a great place for them to be and be welcomed by people who truly love and care about them um, from the moment they step foot on this property. And that's all made possible by our amazing volunteers that serve in the Connections Ministry. So today, we are going to have a little information meeting for anybody that might be interested in joining the Connections Ministry as a greeter or an usher. Um, There are lots of great ways that you can help out and serve in that area. We need people for the coffee, and when we do donuts, we need people to be at our welcome desks to greet people. It's just an awesome thing to be a part of. So right up here at the left side of the auditorium at the end of this service, if you want to go to that area, our director of our Connections Ministry, Shanna Sheriffs, will be there to tell you more about it. And by the way, those of you that are kind of sitting in this area over here, you've got about five minutes before you're automatically enrolled at the end of the message. So just so you're aware, um, that's what's going to be happening there. And so you should stick around because it is a great ministry to be a part of. And if you want to learn more, have any questions, please just uh, come over here at the end of the service. I would love to talk with you more about that. Well, uh, today is a big day for us because today we are finally launching Rooted, and I'm so excited about Rooted. This has been a long time in the making. We were first introduced to Rooted, I think about three years ago, by other churches in the EFCA who said, man, Rooted is just, it's transforming our church, and it's become one of the most important things that we do as a church. And so we looked into it, John and I, and, uh, and started to dive more into what, <clears throat> what would it mean to have Rooted here at First Free, and, and we just fell in love with it. We got so excited by it. We've done a couple of pilot runs now of the Rooted groups. I've been through a couple of them and really, really love it. So today, we're launching it to the rest of the church, and we've got over 150 people signed up to be a part of it. So we're super excited about that. You can still um, get in on that today, and we'll, we'll tell you more about that a little bit later on in the message. But one of the things we're going to do is we are going to have this series, Back to the Basics, kind of mirror our whole Rooted program. Um, Rooted is, in my opinion, it's the best discipleship experience the church has to offer right now. For a church to be able to say, hey, this is what it means to be a follower of Jesus, and this is what it means to, to kind of understand those basics of the faith, Rooted is, it's the best thing that's out there. It's a, it's a whole experience. It's really incredible. And for those of you that are starting Rooted today, 
I hope that this sermon series is just going to supplement what you're getting from your rooted experience. It's gonna, it's gonna work along with it week by week and you'll, you'll get some complimentary things from the messages. For those of you that are not going through Rooted, stick around because it's still gonna be a great series and it's still gonna have awesome stuff and you're not gonna have to go through Rooted to understand anything that's going on in the series. It's just they're gonna work really, really well together. Um, so I hope that you will enjoy this series whether or not you are part of Rooted or not. I hope that if you're not a part of Rooted this time, we're gonna offer it two more times this year and you'll take advantage of that later. Maybe, maybe you'll kind of get your appetite wet from this series. The series is called Back to the Basics and it, it reminds me of, of going back to the time when you're a little kid and you're trying to learn things for the first time. You know, you never start with complicated things. You have to start with the basics, the fundamental, simple things. You've gotta learn your ABCs before you can start to formulate words and sentences and understand grammar and put together paragraphs and pages. Um, it, it doesn't just happen automatically that you dive into the complicated stuff. You've gotta know your numbers before you can get into mathematical operations and algebra and trigonometry and calculus. I'm curious, how many of you used to be good at algebra? Used to be, right? If you have kids, isn't it amazing what happens when your kids start to get to the grade that you have to go look up the stuff that you used to know so that you can help them with their homework? Aren't you thankful for YouTube in those moments? Like, man, I do not, I, know, I used to know how to do this stuff. But I can't do it anymore, so now I gotta go back. How, oh, how did that work again? Oh, what was that called? And I don't remember exactly the way to do this. And wasn't there a cheat code? Like, wasn't there a way that I could just, you know, do this with my fingers? And, and you're thankful for YouTube because it can kind of take you back there. But sometimes we forget those simple things, those fundamentals, and we need to get back to them. We need to be reminded of that. There's a, a guy in the NFL, or used to play in the NFL, you're probably familiar with him. His name's Peyton Manning. You guys know Peyton Manning? Peyton Manning. Excellent quarterback, um, just a phenomenal career with both the Colts and the Broncos. When he was with the Colts, he was with them for 14 years. He led them to two Super Bowl appearances. One time they won the Super Bowl. And from 2002 to 2014, the Colts missed the, Super, or missed the playoffs one time. They missed the playoffs only one time. He um, is the, was the first quarterback to hit 200 wins First quarterback to, to reach that mark in the fastest amount of time, that is. And um, he had seven straight seasons with 12 wins or more. He's the only quarterback to ever do that. Have seven straight seasons with 12 wins or more. It's incredible. And yet, in 2012, when he got his neck injury, the Colts cut him because they thought he didn't have a future. And so Peyton, he still wanted to play. He thought he could come back. He thought he still had some some time left in the NFL. It's the same debate that's happening with Tom Brady right now. And will he quit and won't he? And there's all this back and forth. And yes, he's going to retire. And no, he's not. And uh, Peyton wasn't ready to, to throw it in yet. So he wanted to come back and he wanted to still play in the NFL. And he went to his old quarterback coach from college and said, I still want to play. Can you help me out? Can you get me back to where I need to be? So his coach, Coach David Cutliffe, Coach Cut, watched his tapes from Peyton's most recent season with the Colts. And he said, Peyton, your mechanics are all off. And if you keep throwing the way you're throwing, because your mechanics are all off, you're gonna blow out your arm. And you're not gonna have much more time to play at all. And, and so for the next two years, Coach Cut worked with Peyton to reconstruct his throwing motion to get it back to where it was in his college days. 
Now, obviously, Peyton was an incredible athlete, and he, he was so effective and successful even as he drifted away from some of those basics of his throwing mechanics. But what Coach Cut recognized was if Peyton did not get back to those basics, he didn't have much of a future in the NFL. Now, you, you may or may not know that when Peyton came back, he joined the Broncos, and he then posted basically one of the most amazing years for a quarterback ever. He had 55 touchdown passes in one season. That's still a record in the NFL. He threw for almost 5,500 yards that year. I mean, just an incredible year after he got back to the basics. Now, it'd be easy for us to look at Peyton going back to his college quarterback coach and being willing to completely, this guy with such a successful Hall of Fame career, going back and saying, I want to get back to the basics. It'd be easy to look at that and think, boy, that's a sign of failure. But Peyton knew that it was the pathway to success, to get back to the basics and back to the fundamentals. And I think that that is exactly what many of us who have been followers of Jesus for a long time need to do. This isn't true for everybody that's here or watching right now, but for many of us, we've been followers of Jesus for a long time, attended church for a long time, been involved in lots of ministry things. But if I were to ask you to take some time and evaluate your throwing motion and your mechanics, what would that look like? Have you strayed away from the basics of what your faith used to be? By your throwing motion, I mean your daily walk with Jesus. By your mechanics, I mean the rhythms of that spiritual walk. What does that look like for you on a daily basis? Have you drifted away from the basics, the fundamentals of what it means to be a follower of Jesus? This whole series is going to be about unpacking that concept. How do we get back to the basics? If, you're, if, you're, if you've been a Christian for a long time, this is going to be an invitation to evaluate your throwing motion and, and, and decide if maybe you need to get back to some of those things that you used to do so well and you've sort of forgotten since then. If you're not a follower of Jesus, this is going to be a great introduction to what it means to be a Christian. If you're a new Christian, this is going to be like an orientation course. And of course, it goes along with the whole rooted experience. Every message is going to start with a question. And the question for this message is, what is a disciple? What is a disciple? That's a word that gets thrown around in church a lot. You know, you hear, you hear disciple a lot. You see it on a lot of materials. It makes its way into lots of vision statements and values and all sorts of things. We talk about discipleship and making disciples and being a disciple all the time. But what is it really? What does it mean? Do we really understand what that means to be a disciple? Let's unpack that today. The word disciple comes from, in the Bible, a Greek word, mathetevo. And mathetevo means student or learner, or my favorite one is apprentice. It means to be an apprentice. It's a, it's a translation of that Greek word, mathetevo. And really, disciple means someone who is learning, doing, and becoming. They're learning from someone or something. They're, they're doing whatever is required by that group or that person, and they're becoming like them. Disciple actually describes every single person in the world. Everyone is a disciple. Every single person is a disciple of someone or something or some group. They are all learning, doing, and becoming. They're all learning from people, doing what they say, or trying to emulate them, and they're becoming like other people. Now, in our world, people are disciples of lots of different things. Some people um, are disciples of political leaders. Some people are disciples of celebrities. Some people are disciples of actors or athletes or authors or business leaders. 
or YouTubers or TikTokers or Instagram influencers, you know, all, all the kids in my neighborhood, they all want to be like these YouTube personalities that they follow. And so they're, they're disciples. But everybody's a disciple of someone or something. There's a book called Transformational Discipleship where Eric Geiger and Michael Kelly and Philip Nation write about someone who was an incredible disciple. Uh, he was absolutely in awe of his leader, and he stuck by him even through death. When everyone else abandoned him, he was faithful. He had completely bought into his leader's agenda and goals. He was excited. He was part of the inner circle, and he would just follow this guy anywhere. He once wrote, great joy. He greets me like an old friend and looks after me. How I love him. Then he speaks how small I am. Later, he said, when he speaks, all resistance breaks down before the magical effect of his words. One can only be his friend or his enemy. He divides the hot from the cold, but lukewarmness he spits out of his mouth. This disciple went on to become as famous pretty much as his leader, and he followed him even to death. His name was Joseph Goebbels. He was a disciple of Adolf Hitler. And Joseph and Adolf were, were partners in what they did. And when everyone had abandoned Adolf, Joseph stayed by him. And, and when the plans failed, Joseph committed suicide shortly after Adolf did. See, Joseph was a disciple. He was a disciple of Adolf Hitler. He was learning from him. He was doing what he wanted him to do, doing what he saw him do. And he was becoming like him in many ways. But he was a disciple of the wrong things. Every single person is being discipled. Every single person is learning from and doing and becoming like something. The question is, who are you a disciple of? Who are you becoming like? Who are you learning from? What we want to know today, and really in this entire series, is what does the Bible say about being a disciple? What does that look like? And what I want to take you through today, just as sort of an introduction to the whole thing, is three shifts we have to make in our thinking from the type of disciple that the world often produces to the type of disciple that the Bible wants us to be, that God wants us to be, and tells us about in his word. So three shifts in our understanding of what it means to be a disciple. The first one comes from John chapter 8, and we're going to kind of bounce around a little bit today. Um, John chapter 8 is where we'll be for the first couple points. We'll be in 1 John. We'll be in Romans chapter 12 today as well, Luke 6 for a little bit. But in John chapter 8, John relays what Jesus said. He says, Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, now let's pause right there for a minute because you have to understand, this is disciple language. Follow me is disciple language. This is what a rabbi would say when he was trying to get someone to become his disciple. I want you to become my follower. I want you to follow me. If you follow me, Jesus says, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. What I want you to notice about this verse is the invitation to follow and what we are supposed to follow. See, Jesus didn't say, follow this set of rules or follow this teaching or follow this document, follow this manual. He said, follow me. Follow me, the person of Jesus. You know, up until this time, the Israelites might have considered the thing they were following to be God's laws, the Ten Commandments, a list of things that God wanted them to do. And yes, they were following God, but it was kind of from a distance. They didn't have a closeness to them. And when Jesus came to this earth, 
He made it possible for there to be a person right there in front of them. And I know we're, we're 2,000 years removed from that, but you think about the hundreds of disciples that saw Jesus personally, over 500 even after he rose from the dead. They had a person. They had a, a person that was in front of them. They could look at it and say, this is, a, this is a God in the flesh right in front of us. And Jesus said, follow me. Not some set of rules, not some set of principles, although that's coming later, but the first invitation is to follow the person, Jesus Christ. And that's the first shift that we need to make about a biblical disciple. It's not just principles, it's a person. Not just principles, it's a person. Being a biblical disciple is not just about memorizing a lot of rules. Sometimes that's how we think about Christianity. It's like you gotta learn the good things to do and avoid the bad things, and if you do that, then you're a good Christian, but that's not what it's about. It's first and foremost about a relationship with the person, God with us, Emmanuel, Jesus Christ. That's what it means, first of all, to be a disciple. We have a personal relationship with Jesus. I was at a concert one time, and the singer, the main singer, offered, there was an intermission period, and he offered to have some of us go back and meet with him backstage. And so I got to be part of this group that went back and meet with this guy backstage. It was really cool. And we get backstage, and it's very clear that there's like a, there's an area that's blocked off with tables and chairs, and we're not supposed to go past it, right? So it's clear that we walk in one way behind the curtains, you know, security lets us through and everything, and we're back there, and there's a handful of us, and we're sort of clustered in this area, and there's this area where we don't cross. And then the, the, um, the singer walks up the other direction, and he comes up this way, right up to the barrier, right, right here, right in front of the barrier, right? And we're on one side and he's on the other side and it's very clear that the intention here is we don't go to that side and he's not coming over to this side. And he talked to us for a while and he was super nice. He had some great things to say. I mean, it was, it was an awesome experience and very wise, um, wonderful guy, Christian guy. And afterward, you know what happened? He went back his way and then we clearly were gonna go back our way. And there was a barrier that was between us. We never got to be all that close to him. We got to hear from him, and we all knew who he was. But we didn't know him personally, right? None of us had a personal relationship with him. Now, imagine how different that would be if we were his kids. There'd be no barrier at all. There'd be no separation at all. It would just be closeness and, and intimacy and, and hugs, you know, and there'd be no separation. Why? Because they know him. They have a personal relationship with him. That's how we need to think about our relationship with Jesus Christ. There's a barrier between us and God that's been removed, and we now have this access, this openness to him that we technically shouldn't have, but because he's made it possible for us to have this relationship with him, we can now be with him in intimacy. We can share our, our darkest secrets and frustrations and, and our biggest dreams and desires. We can go to him anytime and have this closeness, this relationship with him because we're following a person, not just a set of rules. How often do we take that for granted and we don't take advantage of the access that we have with this person that we're following? Jesus Christ, the God who wants to be close to us, to have a relationship with us. First of all, being a disciple is not just about principles, it's, it's about a person that we're following. The second shift we need to make in being a biblical disciple is also from John 8, just a little bit later in the chapter. If you look down at verse 31, John says that Jesus was talking with the people who believed in him, 
And he told them, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. You are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. Later on, the same John would write in one of his letters, we can be sure that we know him if we obey his commandments. If someone claims I know God, but doesn't obey God's commandments, that person is a liar and is not living in the truth. But those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. That is how we know we are living in him. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. So Jesus said, if you, were, if you want to show that you're truly my disciple, you're going to be faithful to my teachings. And John says, if you truly know God, you want to know how you know God? It's if you're being obedient to the things he told you to do. That's how you know you have a relationship with God. It's true that we're not just following a set of rules, we're following a person. But we're not following that person if we don't do anything with what they tell us. We have to follow through. We have to have action. The second shift that we need to understand in being a biblical disciple is that it means not just hearing, but doing. Not just hearing, but doing. A lot of people think that they are disciples when really they're spiritual auditors. Spiritual auditors. You know what it means to audit a class? Have you ever been, those of you that have um, gone to college and you sat in a class and someone comes in and is a part of the class, but it never really seems like they're a part of the class. And, and they're going through everything and they've got all the materials, but then when it comes time to take a test, they're not taking a test. And when it comes time to turn in a paper, they never turn in a paper. And you're like, what is going on? Why does this guy get a free pass on all this work I'm having to do? It's because he's auditing the class. He's not taking it as a student. He's paid a little bit of money so that he can go and learn the information, but he doesn't actually have to do anything with it. A lot of Christians are spiritual auditors. They like to learn all the information. They don't want to have to do anything with it. We're good at learning stuff. We're good at absorbing information. When it comes to turning that into action, that's a much harder thing to do. Are you a spiritual auditor or are you a disciple? A disciple is a student, a learner, an apprentice, someone who is learning from and, and trying to do and become like the person they're learning from? Or are you just absorbing the information? There are two theological words here that probably all of you have heard before, especially the first one. The first one is the word orthodoxy. I'm sure you've heard that word before. Everybody say orthodoxy. Orthodoxy is right belief. You learn the right belief and you, and you say, yes, I believe that that is true. And I have intellectual agreement with, yes, this is the right belief. And that's good. That's important. But there's another word that's maybe less known. It's the word orthopraxy. Everybody say orthopraxy. Orthopraxy means right practice or right action. A lot of Christians are really concerned with orthodoxy. Not as many are nearly as concerned with orthopraxy. Orthodoxy means I believe the right thing. Orthopraxy means now I do the right thing with it. We're really, really good at learning things. We're not always as good at putting it into practice. Jesus said, if you're truly my disciple, you're gonna do the things that I say to do. John said, you wanna know you have a real relationship with God? Are you being obedient to what he's told you? Not have you learned it, not have you agreed with it, not do you have the right beliefs. Are you doing the things God tells you to do? There was a pastor one time who was talking with an, another group of pastors. 
and he was just being transparent about his church. And he said, this is many years ago, it's a true story, my church loves deep teaching, he said. My church loves book studies. They love like word for word. They love just deep, deep teaching. And he had a moment of transparency and, and sort of an epiphany and realization that he came to at one point. And his church, where different people were coming up to him and said, what's the next study, Pastor? What's the next study? What are we gonna dig into? Oh, we loved the last one. We got so much out of it and we learned a lot. What's the next one that we're gonna get into? And he thought about it for a minute. He goes, you know what? <laughs> we haven't really been obedient to the last study that we went through. What did we do with any of it? We learned a lot, but did we actually do those things? Maybe we shouldn't even start a new study until we actually are obedient to the last study that we went through. That's really what he told them. It was a, it's a smaller church, so it's kind of easier to kind of view the congregation in that way and, and say, well, this kind of group, you know, together of these, you know, 150 people or, or whatever is, uh, we're, we're all kind of in this boat together. And certainly that doesn't, you know, reflect all Christians everywhere, but I think there's something to that. Where we can get so good at learning and learning and learning and learning and never putting it into practice. And we're eager to get to the next thing to learn. I love learning new things. It's so fun. I subscribe to some of those documentary services, you know, where, uh, where you, sometimes you're just like, I want to learn about, I don't know, wolves. Or, uh, you know, who invented the Q-tip? Or uh, just random stuff, you know? It's just it's fascinating to me. I love learning new things. And it's really easy to want to learn new things and learn new things and never do anything with it. One of my favorite things to do is when my kids want to watch something interesting on TV, I'll trick them and I'll put a documentary on. And at, for the first five minutes, they're like, oh, this is boring, this is boring, this is boring. And about five minutes in, they're like, this is fascinating. And then they're stuck. I did this yesterday. And, uh, you know, they, when they got to the end of one of these things, and like, can you do the next one? Can you do the next one? Sure. You know, just accidental learning. But isn't it true that a lot of times we can, we can get almost addicted to learning more and learning more, and we really enjoy it. And, and I love learning from God's word, but if we, never, if we never take the time to put that into practice, then what good is it really? What good is it if we never do anything with it? That's a harder thing to do. Orthodoxy is, is not as hard. Orthopraxy, that's where it gets really difficult. If we're not actually taking the steps to make something a priority in our life that God says should be a priority. If we're not willing to turn down some of the things that would keep us from doing the things God wants us to do. To make decisions in our lives that are hard, to cut things out that we don't need anymore, to make certain, certain things just the focal point of our life. To prioritize our time with God, our relationship with Jesus. Boy, there's so much other stuff to do, isn't there? There's so much else that we wanna do. Way easier to learn about it than to do it. So much easier. The biblical disciple is not just learning, but doing. Not just learning, but doing. The last shift in our thinking about a disciple is uh, also from Jesus, but it's in Luke chapter six. Luke chapter six, verse 40 says, students, that's the word for disciple, by the way. So our translation says students here, but it literally is the same math table. It's, it's student, it's disciples. Are not greater than their teacher, but the student or disciple who is fully trained will become like the teacher, Jesus says. The disciple who is fully trained will become like the teacher. So it starts with learning and then it moves to doing and then it becomes becoming. Becoming like the teacher. 
Here's what this means. Even if you encounter a situation that the teacher never told you about, because you're so close with the teacher now, you have an idea of how he, would, he or she would re react in this circumstance, right? Whoever you're a disciple of. So you become so much like them that you actually have a, a sense for what would they do in this circumstance. Even though they never told you how to handle that, you just have this close connection, so close, you've learned so much about them that you actually become like them. You can kind of anticipate what would they do in this situation. That's a true disciple. A true disciple of Jesus is someone who gets so close to him and continues to walk so closely with him. And when something new happens that maybe you can't find a chapter and verse for, you've got enough of those principles in your head that were taught by Jesus, enough closeness to him to go, I think this is how he'd want me to respond when that person cuts you off on the freeway or when your kid does something really dumb and damages something or when a person says something to you that's mean or when you get diagnosed with an illness or when a loved one dies or you lose your job, all these different circumstances, we wanna respond like Jesus. That means we have to become like him. It means that being a disciple is not just about information, but it's about transformation. It's about becoming a different person, a new person, different than you were before, a person that responds differently to the difficulties of this life than if you weren't a disciple of Jesus. The Apostle Paul understood this in a big, big way. He wrote in Romans chapter 12, he says, and so dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. And then he says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. You see, the goal of every disciple of Jesus is not just to learn all the do's and don'ts. It's to become so much like him that every situation you encounter, even if it's not directly, obviously written about in God's word, you have a sense for what is God's will in this situation because you've been transformed on the inside. That doesn't happen just through information. That happens through transformation. That doesn't happen just by learning new things. That happens by walking with, by having a closeness of relationship and a daily walk with Jesus Christ to the point where everything you encounter in life, you're filtering through the lens of how would Jesus handle this situation? It's not easy to get there, but it's what God wants from his disciples. I feel like it can be easy sometimes to spot people who've made it a ways on this journey. You just see people that nothing really seems to phase them and not that they don't have their off days, but they just have such a strong faith in God and a trust in him that all the little things of this world aren't as much of a bother to them. You know, the truth is, the more we get close to God, the, the less the matters of this world matter to us because we have this perspective of eternity. And I'm not saying I'm there yet. I'm just saying I know people who seem like they're further along that journey. And you can see that and go, wow, they're a disciple of Jesus. They're becoming like him. Another factor when we grow closer to God and, and our walk with Jesus, we want to be involved. 
We want to be involved in the things God is doing. You know, God is doing a work in this world. He's doing a work in your friends' lives. He's doing a work in your community and your coworkers and, and your, your classmates. God is working in people's lives. We know this from his word. God is at work, and we get to be a part of that. Disciples want to be involved in the work of their master. You know, my, uh, my two-year-old <clears throat> daughter, she loves to be involved in everything I do. It's so annoying. I mean, yesterday I was putting together a bunch of furniture, and I'm, kidding, I'm not kidding you, every single screw. Can I do it? Can I do it? Can I do it? Can I do it? I want to I wanna hold the drill. I want to I wanna pull the button. I wanna, he's like, don't damage the thing. Don't scratch it. She wants to be involved in everything. You know, Mealtime last night, the, the most loving thing I could do for my wife was to pry the two-year-old out of the kitchen so that Jenny could just make a meal without stuff being spilled everywhere. Because she wants to be involved in everything we're doing. She wants to be a part of it. She's learning from and she's doing what we're emulating and doing what we tell her most of the time. And she wants to become like. She wants to, she wants to do everything that we do. And it can be annoying in one sense, but it's also awesome too, right? It's incredibly cute. And we love it because we're getting to teach and train in that moment. And, and she is learning more and becoming more capable. The, the honest truth is her being involved in our projects right now does not advance the cause of the project nearly as much as she thinks it does. <laughs> What's happening? She's being included. She's learning. She's growing. She's getting better. All right. Translate that to your relationship with your heavenly father. Your involvement in God's work is not advancing the cause nearly as much as you may think it is. But he still wants you involved. And a disciple of Jesus wants to be involved. I don't know if there's a sound more sweet to God's ears than one of his children saying, can I be involved in that? Can you, can you show me how to do that? Can you include me in what you're doing here? This is what God wants from us. He wants disciples that are involved in his mission, what he's doing in the world. And it doesn't make sense, but he chooses to include us. He could do it so much faster and better without us, it seems, but he wants to include us. And the crazy thing to me is that some of his children, his disciples, would be willing to sit on the sidelines and say, I'd just like to audit. I'd like to learn, but I don't really want to be that involved. It's like you have an opportunity not to help God, but to be involved in what he's doing despite your deficiencies. I think God loves the disciples that are like that two-year-old that's just saying, I want to help. I want to be involved. How can I serve? I may not always do a good job. I may mess it up. I might scratch the furniture a little bit, but I want to be involved. I think God loves that from his children. That happens when we're transformed from the inside out. And so the third shift in being a biblical disciple is to not just be informed, but to be transformed. Learning, doing, and becoming. I don't know of a better way to dive into that journey right now than getting involved in Rooted. And so I know you've heard a lot about Rooted lately, but I, I just think it's such an important thing, and I think it's going to be so helpful for us as a church. I asked John if he would come up and share with you the history 
of where Rooted came from, because it, it, the origins may surprise you. John? I am also very excited that we're going to be kicking Rooted off today here at First Free. It's been, as Adam mentioned, quite a journey to get to this point. And Rooted began about 12 years ago, Mariner's Church in California, church not unlike ours, full menu of options, a lot of programs. They were looking around and they were asking the question, where is this deep transformation happening on a consistent basis? They saw it like we do over here, life change here, 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 and all of our different ministries. But they were asking the question consistently, where are we seeing it? And they began to talk to other churches here in the United States and, and kind of got the same message. It's like, yeah, we have a lot of stuff going on, but we don't have that answer for you. And a lot like our church, if someone, a new family came to First Free, we would be very quick to welcome them and kind of assess who they are and where they might join us and get plugged in. So would it be small groups? Would it be Sunday morning classes, men's ministry, women's ministry? Do you have teenagers? Let's talk about our student ministry. What about kids? Here's Kid Connection. Here's our worship services. On and on and on. And we have so many front doors that it kind of confuses people. And so they, how can we find one front door to get to all those other ministry programs that are amazing and that we want to have? And about the time Mariner's Church was talking about this, they were connecting with a church in Kenya, Africa. And this church in Kenya was doing something that was amazing. They had one experience, like a discipleship experience that they took people through that was consistently over time producing transformed people, men and women who are following Jesus like never before. So they went over there and they looked at it and the name of this ministry in, in Kenya translated to Roots. So they said, let's just call it Rooted. And they put it together at Mariner's Church 12 years ago. And we've talked to so many churches that have gone through this over the last couple of years as we've been investigating it. And they say, yeah, it really works. And what works is it's more of an experience. There's a curriculum component. But you're going to connect with God, not by learning more about God, as Adam was saying, but by actually connecting with him. So every rooted experience is a little different because it's God connecting with the people in that room. And we also learn to connect with the church. How are we going to be used by God, as Adam was just sharing, to, to be his people, to help this kingdom work go on, to disciple people who will disciple other people? And then you'll be connected with a purpose. And this is a huge part of what Rooted does. Is it calls us to serve the, the, the purpose that we have in every Christian, every family, every couple, every group, every church has a purpose, and God wants to use us for his global kingdom work. And that's where we find this. So I love that Rooted is not just about information, but it's about the transformation. In fact, some of the statistics of, root, of churches that have gone through this say that 70% of the people that go through Rooted volunteer and serve more than they did before. 82% increase their generosity to God's work in their church and in the kingdom. And 90% go on to engage in life groups or small groups in their church like they didn't before. So we want to see that here. We want to see involvement for God's glory and for his kingdom. We're excited that we're going through this. Right before this service, I got a text that our groups are pretty full right now. And so if you register today, you'll be put in a group or contacted about where we can fit you in because we may have to do some scrambling. We have over 150 people and more people interested. 
we're going to run this two more times this year. And our hope going forward is it's just the doorway we have to get into so many of our ministries and serving here at First Free. Another big part of what makes Rooted a success is it's not just a one-time program. I've been a pastor for 30 years, and I've gone through so many one-time discipleship programs, and they fizzle out, and then you wait for the next one to come, and you do it. Well, what we're going to do with Rooted is we want to identify seven rhythms that are part of biblical discipleship in the church, and we want them to be rhythms that we continue year after year, week after week, in our, in our regular lives. And I'm going to let Adam share with you a little bit now what those Rooted rhythms are that we'll be doing. Yeah, really quick, just to let you know, and we'll unpack this over the next 10 weeks as well. But Rooted identifies seven rhythms that are key to being a disciple of Jesus. And they are, first of all, daily devotion, spending daily time with God, the idea of that relationship, building that relationship with God and with Jesus. The next one is prayer, having a regular prayer life. Not, not just the kind of quick prayers that we often say or praying before our food, but, but actually really diving into deep, deep understanding of what it means to communicate with our Heavenly Father. And Rooted helps you do that and walks you through that. Then there's the idea of repentance. You know, none of us are perfect. None of us have arrived yet. We make mistakes every day in our thoughts and our words and our actions. And so we need to come before God and say, God, I, I was wrong. I'm sorry. Would you, would you please forgive me for that and cleanse me of unrighteousness, as, as 1 John 1.9 says. Then there's service and serving people around us, making sure that we're not just about ourselves, we're not selfish, but we're selfless. We're, we're sharing with other people, helping other people in any way that we can, actually using our hands to, to get out there and serve people. And then there's sacrificial generosity, which is the idea that it's not just giving out of the abundance that we have, but actually giving in a way that, that means maybe we don't get to do something else. Maybe we're giving up something else that we would have spent that on so that we can give. And that's, that's sacrificial giving. It's easy sometimes for us to give, but are we giving sacrificially? That's the kind of giver that God wants. Then sharing your story is the sixth rhythm. Sharing your story, the idea that the gospel did not come to you to just kind of stop there but that you are then supposed to be a witness. You are supposed to be an ambassador for Christ who goes on and shares those with other people. And finally, the seventh rhythm is worship. This idea that we now have this access to God that's so amazing. We have visibility of him and to him. We can see how incredible he is. And so we need to celebrate that. We celebrate that by worshiping God. That's really what worship is all about. It's about giving, showing God the worth that he is doing, celebrating who he is. And we get to do that because we are his children. We have that access. There's no barrier between us. We can just run right in and worship him. And we want to do that. We're going to do that today before we close this service. If you are enrooted right now, the workbook is going to guide you through, and the whole experience is going to guide you through these seven rhythms. If you're not enrooted, you're still going to get to learn about them as we walk through this series together and get a lot of complimentary things that will go along with the rooted material. But I, I also want to let you know that we're going to try to work these into every area of our ministry at the church. These seven things. What often happens is that a church will get good at doing one or two of these, but not necessarily the others. So a congregation will sort of naturally start to get good at the giving piece, but maybe not so good at the worship piece. Or they'll be really good at the prayer piece, but not the daily devotions piece. We want to let all of these things be a core part of who we are as a church. They go along with our distinctive values and our vision. They're going to be a huge part of everything we do here. We're going to work them in all over the place. And let me just give you this one kind of closing challenge. You may not know this, but every single week we put together a discussion guide to go along with the message time. And that's available for you at efree.org resources. efree.org resources. My challenge for you today 
is to go download the guide for today's message, work through the questions, and I know some of your groups will do that anyway. But as you're doing that, consider this question. Who am I mostly a disciple of today? Who am I learning from? What types of things am I doing? And who does that show that I'm following? And who am I becoming like? Who is discipling me today? If it's not Jesus Christ, then maybe you need to change some priorities in your life. I wonder if you'd bow your heads with me. Let's pray. And we're, we're gonna worship God together here as we close. Jesus, thank you for coming to this earth and showing us how we can have a relationship with you, for giving us a person to follow, someone that we can identify with, someone who the Bible says has been tempted even in every way as we have and yet has not sinned. That's the person we get to follow and be discipled by. How often I, I take that for granted, God. How often I go through my day and, and neglect that personal time with you. And it shouldn't be that way. I pray that as we go through this series, as we get back to the basics, that many of us would remember the importance of that throwing motion, the mechanics that, that were once so familiar to us and that we sort of drifted away from, God. Help us to get back to that place. For those that are, that are new in the faith or, or just new to the idea of faith in Jesus, God, I pray that you would teach and, and help them to learn and grow in their understanding of you and what it means to be your follower, your disciple. Help us to grow in each of these seven rhythms, whether we're a part of rooted or not. Help us to learn more about them and then make them a part of our life, to not let it stop at knowledge, but to move into action and in transformation, Lord. Change us over the next couple of months to be the disciples you want us to be and let us see what happens and what you do in our church and in our community when we get serious about the basics of what you told us about being a disciple. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.